serious. Then I will break you. Hulk smash! You really adopted the dark. I could do this all day. Welcome to the Title Runs Podcast. This is Title Theory, our nerdy branch of the Title Run universe. I'm joined today from the TVA studios by my co-host, William Lindblad. William, tell the people, what's up? I'm up all night to talk Loki. <laughs> so uh, it's late night. Uh, I have a three-week-old, which is one of the reasons that I've been a little less consistent in my uh, recordings. I'll probably record like three this weekend when I get time. And um, William, we haven't been able to get on together in a few weeks. We are about a week and a half removed or two weeks removed from the Loki finale, which you and I both uh, totally geeked out about. Uh my head might have exploded once or twice, and a number of the things that we pitched were correct. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but real quickly, if you're new to the show, please follow us on any social media platform. I say any social media platform. Really, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, please subscribe on your podcasting platform. And please, 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 our listenership has really been down the last three or four months. Please, please share and get our listenership back up help us out in that way all right so the low-key finale and in summary just to go to a brief brief plot summary as low-key comes to an end low-key variant uh what was it l190 i forget or whatever one, i think one's 90 and one's like 160 yeah i think a low-key variant from the 2012 avengers timeline steals a tesseract goes off gets captured by the tva gives them a bunch of problems trying to escape and he ultimately meets another version of himself, Sylvie, the female variant. And they team up together to storm through the place of deletion uh, <laughs> at the end of the world referred to as the void or AKA limbo. And there they fight through other variants, a smoke monster that devours dimensions and matter and make it to the, uh, what was the name of the Citadel at the end of time yep. where they find the big bad of the series, the one that created the TVA, he who remains, AKA a variant of Kang the Conqueror. So that's the summary. And you, if you're listening to this, you already know that. So very quickly, William, summarize your overall feelings on this series. How much did you like it? Cause I know it's not a matter of, did you like it? How much <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> and what did you really like about it specifically? I, I like I like the irony of it because back when they announced all these Disney Plus shows, um, way back when with like the I guess Investor Day or whatever that they had, um, Loki was the one I was least looking forward to because I thought, oh, it's another one of him. I think we've seen enough of him. We kind of got his character down pat, blah blah. Which blah. is surprising because you love Loki. Yes, I, I love him as a character. I was just like, I don't know what else they can do with him to make him yeah. interesting. Um, and so far, like he's, he's kind of a side character. So like it'd be weird. It's weird for me to make him a main character. And and I Falcon and the Winter Soldier was the one I was most looking forward to. And of the three, I have enjoyed Loki the most, and I have uh, enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier the least. That's not to say I didn't like it. It's right. just third of the three that I. It's, they're they're all passing grades in my book, but I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was hurt by some some edits um, with their plots and stuff due to COVID. Um, and Loki wasn't. Loki Loki was great. It was basically what a Marvel person expects. I think it did pacing very well. It only has even though it only had six episodes. Um, 
I think it it did a lot of what WandaVision did. It, it introduced a lot of like some some comic book weirdness that yes. the comic book fans really wanted to see. Like we we liked the the first Infinity Saga and everything, but I think Marvel separates itself from like DC in the in the sense of Marvel tends to be able to get a little weirder into its comic book canon um, a little easier. Like if you have a like Christopher Nolan Batman, he went out of his way to like unsupernaturalize. Yeah all of the batman villains yep. so there's no like magic hand wavy like mutations or or whatever causing the villains it's all like just crazy people and i think marvel does a better job of like yeah yeah they're mutants so what <laughs> deal deal with it um and so i i, th- I like the series because it was weird like wandavision but i think it did a better job of managing expectations and actually paying off um the expectations a little better than WandaVision did. So it, it edges out WandaVision yeah. for that very reason. Yeah. And, and we can both agree that Falcon and Winter Soldier of these three series was definitely the safest. Mm-hmm. It was the most Marvel like. Um, but it also wasn't the most fun. Like it told a good story. Yeah. But it wasn't as fun as uh, Low Key and WandaVision because they were just so ambitious in the stories they told. And they I got super they- serious. What's that? They got super serious about like the like the social issues and stuff. Oh gosh, and handled them. I thought with really well. A Falcon Winter Soldier. I thought handled those issues really well that it raised. I really did. And um, mm-hmm. but it didn't give you the twist and turns of the plot. It's yeah. a, and there was times where you were wondering where Falcon Winter Soldier was going, but that's because the plot just slowed down to a crawl. It wasn't because it was like a mystery. Whereas with WandaVision. Once you realize what the, what's going on in the world around Wanda, you know, with the big reveal in episode four, then you're like, okay, I really don't know how this ends through episode six, seven, and eight. You're like, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Is Vision going to, like, uh, save the day? Is he going to be a villain? Like, I just don't know what's going to happen. And I liked that about Loki also. For the last three episodes, you're like, I have no idea where this is going. And they give you such great twists and turns along the way. So I think the thing that I enjoyed the most, in addition to the twists and turns of the plot, was the side characters, which is something that was really lacking in Falcon and Winter Soldier, I thought was the likable side characters. I mean, they have Darcy in there who's, who's likable. And, um, you know, when they bring in Photon, Monica Rambo, I enjoyed her character, but she wasn't necessarily entertaining. Whereas, like, Mobius just was done <laughs> such great justice and the way Owen Wilson portrayed him, I thought he was interesting. And then even the episode where you get the low-key variants, they were just all super entertaining in their own ways and designed to be so. And so I enjoyed those side characters and um, some of their quirks and even Renslayer to some extent, seeing her get a little bit more layers added to her later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hunter B-15, I think is the one uh, that yeah. also gets her mind awakened. And just a lot of the side characters, they were interesting. Um, so, and I think maybe more so than any of the other shows, you know, and I, it's hard to even count Agatha as a side character because she ends up being a main <laughs> villain who's, but she, I mean, she's like in a whole other class, but yeah. Yeah. She, I, th- I think it, to me, it made sense that Renslayer was a, a, a principal of a school based on like yes, how she carries yes. herself. So I was like, you act like a principal. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and the look, as for the Loki variants, yeah, that was like a highlight of like, like when they pop up at the end, like the, the cre- post credit scene for was it, episode four? um or episode five one of those yeah, two yeah, yeah. and there's like just they're just staring at this this new edition like hey and then you're looking at him and the comic book fan is looking at him and saying oh my god i know who that is i know who that is 
is that an alligator? Yeah. And who's that? That was when everybody was like, is that, is that a, what, what, wait, what? But yeah, the, the fact that they got Richard E. Grant to put on green and yellow spandex with massive horns, that, that just deserves an Emmy right there. You that, know, he likes to play some hammy characters, though. He does. That, that's true. Yeah. I, I know him as the Scarlet Pimpernel from like the, the A&E original movie sort of things where he's like a, a Zorro type character in the French Revolution. So I know him as sort of like a swashbuckly okay. English actor. Um, but yeah, he does play. He's, I think he's played like a weird villain on Doctor Who before. Um, sort of like a mad scientist. But yeah, yeah. He, I, I'm a big fan of his. And so seeing yeah. him in any respect in this show was, was amazing. Also, at the end of the final episode, what did we actually see happen? Because there's been a lot of debate about this among nerddom, but what we actually watched. So... What was your interpretation of the events that we saw at the end of episode six? Let's see, this is where having extra time is both a blessing and a curse because oh <laughs> I both get to think about it more and more. And then that also leads me into the ridiculous rabbit trails of like what it could be. Rogue theories, um, man. Here we yeah. go. But it's it's pretty obvious at the end of the episode. Well, it's pretty obvious throughout the episode that he's controlling everything that's happening. Right. Um, that, that from like from the moment they enter the citadel to miss minutes popping up and like offering them basically everything they want in exchange for just stopping their quest what i, what I refer to as the willy wonka test yeah and that's and that's basically like that's that's for for those of you at home that don't get meta on um like movies and tv shows and narratives and stuff whenever the the big bad offers to give you everything you want that means they're they're in a weakened position that means that they know that they're on the verge of losing usually i don't think that was true in this case i think mm -hmm. like, like you were saying it's it's basically like a final test mm -hmm. to like are you really going to push through or, or and be worthy of this or are you going to settle for like a silver medal and uh, they do that, so he's still in control the entire time. They meet him in this little elevator or whatever, um, and that's sort of like the the moment where the the geekometer like buried the needle for me because I was like, yeah. "It's him! It's him! Finally! Thank God they, they didn't like bait and switch us again." Specifically wearing his Amortis getup—that's the version yes. minus the goofy hat. He looks exactly like Amortis does in the comics, minus the silly hat, obviously. Yeah. And they didn't say his name was Immortus, which they did not. that's just Marvel being coy. I think they might be reserving an official Immortus later. I agree or, with that. That'll be one of the With the hat. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. And um, in the comics, He Who Remains was the original TVA agent who created the TVA at the end of time. So at the end of time, he gets there. He's the last agent left. He yep. creates the TVA to make sure that the timeline is maintained so that he exists at the end of time. It's very circular, weird, yep. comic book, timey-wimey stuff. He grandfather paradoxes himself. Yeah, ex that's exactly what it is. And so what Marvel's done here really rather wisely is just said, that guy's a Kang variant, which is really quite a simple and intelligent solution when you think about it. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's really kind of genius. Um, so what do we see he who remains doing at the end with Loki and Sylvia? And so one of the theories I heard is that he's actually – baiting them he knows all along that sylvie's going to kill him mm -hmm. and he's doing that because he wants to restart the kang cycle 
yeah i think that's that makes the most sense is that mm, okay it's it's pretty obvious throughout the entire exchange even though he he's coming across very like erratic and manic and like yeah. switching from like giddy to like shouting and anger to level-headed exposition like from moment to moment um that like with his gestures and his his the way he like who's who's who he addresses at different times and like pointing at people like he was like yeah we've really done some bad things and he's like staring at loki yeah while, the, while talking to sylvie yeah um and so like planting the like pri basically priming them to distrust one another during their conversation mm -hmm. while they're all three ostensibly speaking in like a conference and so he's he's planting these seeds in each of their heads to the uh, I think new rock stars refer to it as the prisoner's dilemma. It's game theory. Yeah. It's, it's make subconsciously uh, hypnotizing them, so to speak, in, into believing that there's no way where they can both be happy, be happy yeah, with an outcome. Yeah. It's either mm -hmm. this one wins and this one loses, or this other one wins and this other one loses. And that's what sets them into the conflict with each other and ultimately secures um, what I believe is the outcome that he wants. And that is he, for all the power and the technology and stuff at his disposal he's still a human being as far as we know like he's, yeah, he's just yeah. a very advanced human being with advanced technology and so like you said he's old he's tired of it he's been alone for all yes, this time yeah um and that's gonna make a person that's gonna wear down a person any person regardless of whether they're a sociopath or just like the most normal person on earth you will come to the same spot psychologically i think um, after prolonged isolation and all that um, responsibility and what whatnot and he's doing this and um, I think it's for foregone conclusion that like he's going to turn it over and he's making the case that it can either be one of it can either be both of you to run this or I can die you can reject control of the TVA and one of my variants is going to take over because that's what happens every yep. time. Uh, and that's, yeah, and that's basically the choice he's offering them. But really, I think it's secretly, he's paving the way for himself to relieve himself in, in command. And here's the question. This is what we don't know. And we won't know at this point where his intentions in doing so noble or nefarious. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just something we don't know. An interesting observation that was pointed out to me by, I think it was maybe uh, Heavy Spoilers. I think it was that channel. One of those channels. Either Heavy Spoilers or, heavy spoilers or Screen Crush. But the timeline starts to unravel before Sylvie actually stabs him. Yep. Which implies, which could imply several things. One was that it was always destined to happen, which is why the timeline was already unraveling. That while he's talking to her, it was already predetermined at that point that she was going to kill him, which is why the the timeline starts to unravel because at that point it's like basically fatalistic that she's going to kill him or there's something else that caused the next event aka the popular theory that the rise of the scarlet witch as a nexus being caused the splintering of the timeline in the west view um event and you know you and i both heard about if you start the two shows on disney plus and at the same time, Wanda Vision and Wanda Vision and Loki at I think 28 minutes and 14 seconds is when Wanda becomes the Scarlet Witch and she drops Agatha at the same time that 
he who remains drops his uh his his object onto the desk and mm -hmm. it's an indication that maybe that her transformation caused the next event so that's a theory out there it's not really a great one but it's interesting uh yeah, so it's yeah one, it's one of those things where as much as i might want it to be true i don't think marvel is quite that meticulous yeah to where they're like doing the was it the dark side of the moon linked up with <laughs> yeah wizard of oz um that sort of sinking um stuff i took the dropping um of the stone since it comes immediately after he says like we've crossed the threshold i don't know what's going to happen from now on um and he drops the rock i took that as a sort of reference having taken many many philosophy courses in my time um to like david hume's empiricism philosophy which i think if i remember correctly david hume takes a very strict um, view on the nature of causality and that it doesn't matter how many times you watch the same set of events lead to the same outcome you can't reliably say with certainty that if those events happened the same way again the outcome would also happen um building on that that was pointed out also i think by new rock stars it's um malcolm in jurassic park Mm -hmm. where he takes the water droplet and puts it on i forget the, the female doctor's name in the original movie ellie sadler ellie sadler <laughs> and he puts the same drop the drop of water in the same spot and it runs down two different places on her knuckle and him saying that's chaos theory like mm -hmm. the same series of precipitating events doesn't necessarily lead to the same outcome yep making that exact point that you're saying it just explained differently and so i don't really know my my personal theory is I'm going to wait and see. Like, I don't really know. I don't have to, because to me, I didn't have to know what caused it, the splinter. What was clear to me is that the point of that shot in that scene is that we are seeing the multiverse form in front of us and it's fractured beyond repair. A lot of people are focused on what fractured it. To me, that wasn't the point of that scene. The yeah. point of the scene was a show. The, the whole series of actions here, whether it's being actually spurred on by Sylvie, whether she is really the person causing this, or whether it's actually he who remains causing it and manipulating her, either way, the end result is that the universe is fracturing mm -hmm. and it's irreparable. I think that's what, what I took from like, um, I, I was curious as to why it might be happening, but when it, yeah. when I saw, like when I saw the conversation and like they would, they would show like the background window and you yes. can see like the things just breaking off. I think what concerned me the most was the sheer magnitude of the fracturing like it wasn't just like they showed in the TVA little screens where it was just like one little thing going sideways. It was like yes. all the things spiraling out of control in many, many ways at the same time. And that was like, uh oh, this is much bigger problem than than what we've been shown so far. Yeah, I agree with that. So we're left with Renslayer disappearing into one of the time doors to go seek free will, which People have interpreted me in several different things. She's trying to seek her own free will. Since she says that only the one in charge gets free will, is she going to find Kang, which is my theory. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that makes what makes the most sense. Uh, is Loki, where, where is Loki when we end episode six? Is he in an alternate TVA? Is he in the same TVA now controlled by Kang and everybody's memories have been wiped? Meaning it's the same TVA, but they don't remember him because they've had their memories wiped because we know that hap that's happened before. Um, what happens to Mobius? Will he ever get his jet ski ride? What happens to B-15? Do we get to revisit the void and see what happens to Gator Loki and Kid Loki and Boastful Loki? So 
What do you think happens in season two? That's a good question because didn't even mention I, Sylvie, but yeah, yeah, I definitely felt that it was set up that like because you you end on a cliffhanger and you're like, well, how is this going to get resolved? And I I'm not sure if it's like to, to answer the version about the alternate TVA. I not I don't know if it's an alternate timeline TVA and just like she was sent because the timeline was fracturing when this happened already that like it was instead of being sent back to the I guess quote home base TVA that it was it might have like the coordinates might have gotten knocked off and sent to a different timeline TVA which shouldn't be the case because the TVA right. is supposed to exist outside of the time that's anyway. exactly what I was about to say um we theorized that it existed in the quantum realm so my, I, yeah yeah my assumption was that basically that what he who remains said had come to pass and basically like every all the the events had repeated themselves as they did previously and this time another kang was the one that came out on top and had the same idea but he was more um forward thinking like out there like yeah. hi i'm the conqueror as opposed to i'm the secret guy that's going to make these robots and and you're going to worship these robots as gods he just decided to put himself out there as like the savior or whatever of the multiverse. And so that's, that's at least my thinking on, on that part is that I think it's the same TVA, but I think it's like you said, like something's gone wrong. They, they've wiped every, he's reset everything um, according to his Kangly glory. Um, because we know based on how Marvel views time travel, nothing that they do in the void should affect the prime timeline. That's not how they're, time travel yeah. works we know that so yeah. then you're left to think okay either like you said he's knocked off like in bill and ted's excellent adventure in the time cir circuits of time on his way back he gets knocked down the wrong rabbit hole which again hasn't doesn't really match what we've seen from them but i guess it's possible um because you know we did talk about they did talk about getting off course in time vortexes and whatnot in uh infinity war not infinity war excuse me in endgame or it's the same tva and things have changed well, like I said, another theory is that it's same TVA. A new king has taken over. A king variant has just taken over that same TVA and wiped the memories of people, mm -hmm. which I it's, think is probably the most likely option. It's sort of because it's well, the the difficulty I have is the the philosophy or the physics of time in general and 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 like causality of within the MCU's rules that they've set up because from my understanding or for at least from my assumption is that when they're at the citadel they're outside of time and that time is more or less like going around them yes that that's little, what's, yes a yes. little circle mm -hmm. and to me i don't know that them doing anything there should necessarily affect anything in the timeline other than when they go back to it i agree with that does yes. that make okay yes I agree um with that. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna talking out of my my behind sometimes uh with regards to talking some of this out but that's literally the exact same thought i have is like whatever they did in the citadel should not affect the tva yeah in theory it's like the only way like said, the only way i can justify it is to say that with that king no longer running the tva another king variant takes over it yeah it's a power vacuum yes exactly and that's why everything changed yeah, you're that, seeing that, all, you're seeing all the multiple timelines break uh, branch off and that's basically spawning an okay, so now a new of... king exists. Yes, yeah. A new king comes into existence the second that he who remains dies. A new king has popped into existence, and he goes to the TV and takes it over, mm -hmm. and then wipes the memories of 
all the other people of who Loki is and what he's done. And so Loki goes back to that same TVA, the same Mobius, the same Hunter B-15. They just don't know him. That's what I think is the explanation that fits best within the framework of what they've established. And now that I talk it out, it actually makes more sense than it did in my head. Um, I don't know if you're following with me, but yeah. But a couple more questions, though. Do you agree that Renslayer is going to find and find uh, Kang and probably end up falling in love with him? Or is that not the route they're going? I, I would say yes, number one, because that's more or less the comics. That's yeah. that's that's one of the reasons like one of the 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 fan theories going into this entire series was like we knew that this person's name was Judge Renslayer. It's like, why would they give the judge that specific name knowing that it's a character from the comics who is known to be an on on again, off again, like love interest for Kang and various versions yep. of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it was very leading like this this is a big like neon sign pointing that Kang is going to be involved that and the fact that we have time travel um, those are both like huge uh, indicators of Kang coming and I it's very it seems pretty clear that Miss Minutes was up to something and mm-hmm. that she was like given I guess sort of like contingency plan yeah and that that he who remains predicting accurately that sylvie would end up killing him mm-hmm. set up like a contingency plan to sort of assist the transition well, um, that's an interesting theory i hadn't thought about it from that perspective like okay. here's the information you need to know to give because later. i mean it would be it would be very much easier like what what when the multiversal war happened previously why was he who remains the king that won mm. uh, because he weaponized the, he had information that he weaponized to get rid of mm. the others and now because he knows what he knows and he knows he's the victor and if he's basically resigning his post for for lack of a better word he can then inform somebody that can act as his agent to possibly reach out to a variant of his and say to bring him back hey to there's this bureaucracy that exists that uh-huh. patrols time maybe if you got hold of it and controlled it it would help you uh it would it would help in your goals um to do so and so i think that, that might be where she's so much headed where kang says kang knowing that sylvie's going to kill him ultimately says or he claims he doesn't know but no just, you know with with the knowledge that sylvie is likely going to kill him says miss minutes give this information to renslayer knowing that renslayer is going to go in search of kang mm-hmm. bring him back to the tva institute him as leader of the tva because again she says this is a necessary lie yeah. It's something that needs to continue. And therefore, you might see in season two Renslayer back in the TVA as the real Kang's right-hand man, mm-hmm. not the fake timekeepers. And yeah, that makes almost too much sense. I mean, it <laughs> really does. You heard it here first. Yeah, that's good. That's good, <laughs> man. And talking through talking it through, it's like, well, how it's almost like I can't see it going any other way when you really think about it. Okay. Yeah, she right. she she's definitely her character is one that like is very much. As much as Loki and Sylvia are agents of chaos, she is an agent of order. Order, yeah. And that it doesn't matter what the order is. She wants there to be order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does he pair in the rest of the MCU? And I had, and I basically came up with three options. Um, one is he's the next big bad. He's the next Thanos. He's the overarching villain that'll last for the next several years. Let's say, you know, another 10 years. And it's going to be Kang, Kang, Kang. <laughs> or is it chasing Kang's and his variant, chasing Kang variants all over the multiverse like whack-a-mole? Or is this a lead up to Secret Wars where he will ultimately team with or end up in conflict with Doom? So 
it all depends on how long they want to keep the multiverse uh, as sort of the status quo. That is I think. the key question. Because I mean, I can I can see it both ways. I can see it being like an an open door to all kinds of possibilities, but also at the same time, it's something that could probably possibly wear thin on the audiences to be like, oh, here's another random thing that uh, it's just a different universe that we're in. Uh, so I can see it. I can see both sides of the coin. Um, but depending on which one they go with, because uh, it's still sort of up in the air, I think, within, at least in their planning yeah. at this point um, as to which it is, my, my gut is probably that he's – I don't, I don't see them making another thing like Thanos. I don't see them repeating the Thanos arc, basically, in, in terms of characterization. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they want to do something different, keep things fresh as much as they can. Um, I think we're not going to see a single Kang. We're going to see multiple Kangs. I agree. Um, across the thing, and including like an Iron Lad that's part of the Young Avengers or um, the Kang, the, the regular Kang that from the comics mm -hmm. that we see at the end of Loki season six or season one, episode six. Um, I think we might see an actual official Immortus mm -hmm. um, at one point. Um and things like that, maybe a Scarlet Centurion, who knows? But I think we're going to see different versions of him in different properties. I, th I think he's going to be the one that sort of, he's going to be a major villain for a time, but then he's going to sort of phase. I think they're, they're going to learn from their mistakes and murdering all of their, their good villains from the first couple Josh, phases. Yes. Why is Killmonger dead? Like there's yeah. absolutely no reason for Killmonger to be had to have been dead. Sorry, I keep going. No, that, yeah, that, that, that is absolutely true. That's one of the, the the biggest sins of the the infinity saga i think but with kang i mean i mean and even so you could probably kill a few different versions of kang here and mm, there yes, but still yes. have others in reserve correct so there, that so what i said sort of sort of has been nullified by that um and <laughs> but that when you, you say kill, kill them off I mean, you're taking yeah. out of the story is what you're yeah trying. no more no more like there won't be a no more kang basically yes. um he, I, he'll pop up here and there I don't see him being the central main threat for as long as Thanos was. Mm -hmm. I don't see him being like the overarching threat for like a decade. Mm -hmm. I see him like peaking early and then sort of like making guest appearances here and there as trouble as being trouble or teaming up with somebody. Um, based on the multiverse and this idea of a multiversal war, I can see that easily transitioning into a secret wars type of event where it's, worlds are collapsing on top of each other they're coming into conflict one of them can't survive or they'll both be destroyed um and that leads us to doom i think i think uh, oh i say i think i hope <laughs> i really 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 hope that doom becomes quote unquote the next thanos yeah. and that he's the major big bad and i hope they do it differently um in the sense that i want doom to be more than a villain I mean, Thanos was a relatable villain. Mm -hmm. I think they, they tried to make him relatable and they made Infinity War sort of from his perspective of like, this is his quest to achieve. And that he has reasons for what he's doing, et cetera, et cetera. But I think for Doom, Doom is different in the comics. And I think part of the reason that I, I like Doom is like one of my favorite characters in all of Marvel is he isn't a straight villain. He's yeah, yeah. somebody who's got serious serious flaws and is ruthless and will do what it what he thinks is necessary 
to achieve goals, but his goals by and large tend to be, I want to save my people. I want to save the world. Save my mother. <laughs> like he, he, well, yeah, I, he wants to, he wants to do noble things, but he goes about it in very nefarious, underhanded, devious ways. And he's very honorable, but his ego gets in the way and his ego is his big downfall. I, he's, he's almost a tragic, like tragic hero in a classical sense. Um, but also like an anti-villain. He's not, he's a, he's a villain some of the time, but he's not, but that's only because his methods conflict with the heroes. Now, having said that about Doom's nobility, what if Doom is one that puts down Kang? I think that would make some degree of sense. That would um, be a story I would like to see. Yes. I, I thought the other day somebody was pitching the idea of like uh, secret wars and how Kang could lead into that secret wars and everything. And I was like, well, what if Kang is sort of like the takes the place of like molecule man where he's uh -huh. like the, the one that's like distributing the power to different people and that seeing like what happens. Like, cause yeah, he's, cause like that's basically what he who remains is doing. He's manipulating mm -hmm. the time stream to say, well, what if this person did this thing mm -hmm. and this person had to respond to it? How would they yeah. respond? Let's see. And he'll like manipulate the variables throughout time to see somebody like, well, what, what will Doom do? What, how, how will he do yeah. in this situation? Yeah. So I can see Kang sort of easily transitioning to um, somebody like Dr. Doom and then have Doom because it, it is his way in the comics always is to find to find the most powerful person in his vicinity and then to take that power for himself uh, over and over again. So my vote is I want to see like Kang popping up all over the multiverse like whack-a-mole, you know, <laughs> different variations where they fight one here. This one's noble. Oh, this one's not so bad. This one's terrible. He's a freaking murderer. And like none of should, they are ones that have to be vanquished. Some of them just are out there existing. Others are evil and have to be fought. And even ones mentioned that we never see. So that's kind of the, the version I want with ultimately some, some I don't want to say prime version of Kang, but some extremely dangerous version of Kang being defeated by Dr. Doom, transitioning us into Doom being the next villain mm -hmm. and probably the Secret Wars storyline. That's kind of what I would like to see that I think would be really cool because somebody made a good point listening to, you know, Eric Voss on the new rock stars, him and Mastertainment talking about Kevin Feiger's basically said, we don't know how long superhero movies will be popular. Yeah. And so you don't know that you'll get another 10 years out of a superhero saga. So when it comes to what to do with these properties, my thought is that I'm hoping that they will use the multiversal model enough to bring in all those other properties, the Fox properties, the X-Men, Deadpool, all that stuff. Yep that they use the multiverse to pull that stuff back into their main continuity and then get back to a streamlined prime sacred timeline to which they tell their future stories. Yeah. So that would make sense. That seems to be. And the question is how long do you want to take to do that? Is that two years? Is that six years? Because one of the things they also brought up that I thought was really good was that on the, with the addition of Disney plus content, the phases, and I use that in air quotes, <laughs> Are moving forward at a much more rapid rate you're talking about yeah. we're gonna go through this year having had maybe 12 weeks without marvel content to talk about yeah that's that's, I, I, that's something i was about to say is that like we have series now the like limited series mm -hmm. and stuff that they're essentially 
additional movies yeah being churned out yeah um almost monthly <laughs> i mean seriously i mean we'll have what a three-week gap between loki and uh what if what if i mean and then shang chi in september and then thank you and then shang chi and then, then eternals and then eternals spider-man and then spider-man back to back yeah and then you know starting in Oh God! What's the next? What's the next series for next year? I don't even know which one it is. But is it Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye yeah, is supposed to be Hawkeye. by the end of the, by the end of the year too. Now it's Hawkeye. Yeah, Hawkeye yeah, is another. So we have just content stacked up, one after another after another, and they're doing the same thing with the Star Wars stuff, which we don't have time to get into. But we'll finish Bad Batch here in about three weeks, and we'll have a couple months in the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and then that leading right in open to Mando season three, and so I mean. Man, it's a great time for people like us. Um, <laughs> and we will come back and talk about Dune again because William and I are humongous, enormous Dune fans. We will yep. come back and talk about that also. But William, this has been a great conversation. I think we've more or less solved most of the mysteries of Loki and come up with great theories. I hope people actually listen to this and share it because we just gave you a lot of great content trying to get anywhere else, okay? So, uh I think that we will be back again probably when we see some of the what if episodes and talk about those in, in the I next think couple. I think those are going to be very important. I, I think it was okay. going to be like people were treating it like a throwaway. So that's like, how oh, I it's felt. So, that's so cute. It's all cartoony. And then <laughs> yeah. like when Loki breaks the universe <laughs> to all these different yeah. realities, we're like, maybe they're not just fun and maybe they're actually things that are happening. And that's the thought is what if these aren't just uh, possible scenarios, but these are actually real alternate timelines suddenly they become people that you can draw into the movies and they become actually really interesting and if it comes up the ways for us to bring back uh, people like peggy carter or even killmonger i'm all for it mm-hmm. i'm all for it well all right william we're gonna call we're gonna call we're gonna wrap it up there um thank you so much for joining me tonight this is a really good conversation I'm looking forward to sharing it uh any final thoughts before we sign off no, Loki was great. I, I it's the best one I think that they've put out, and I look forward to the rest of the content for for the year. Amen. Well, this has been David Bethay and William Lindblad for Title Theory. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.